Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Seven Sage LSAT podcast. My name is Henry Ewing, and I'm joined with my lovely co-host. Super excited for today's episode, but before we start, I want to bring attention to one thing, which is that I was listening back to a recording of the last episode that we did, which was the interview with JY, and I realized I'm laughing constantly. I'm laughing all the time. I just can't stop laughing when we record these podcasts, but Henry, you are unamused. You are just completely not entertained the entire course of the podcast, so my mission for this episode is to make enough jokes to make you laugh at least three times. That's the goal. Well, if that's your mission, Asa, my new mission is to not laugh at all. <laughs> I think we'll we can see do who this. wins. Okay. In this, Ten in bucks. this battle, Ten bucks in, this, in, wins. In, in this battle of the mind. <laughs> it's not a battle of the mind. <laughs> it's always war. No, you make everything so dramatic and violent, Henry. I know. What we're doing today is fun. What is our episode title that you came Normally up with? Normally, I have to fight myself, but I'll take you and me on. <laughs> You came up with this episode title. You were really proud of it. I will let you announce it. Oh, no, don't make me. (laughs) You wrote it. You wrote it on the paper. I cringed. So you're going to be the one to announce it. Well, everyone, as you know, the LSAT is a test of arguments and poor arguments tend to have one common feature. They make a bunch of assumptions. And so if you want to be a high performer on this test, if you want to go forth into the world, make good arguments, a good thing you're going to have to do is to shake that ass assumption i did not think you were gonna say it like that, <laughs> that, God, that delivery. Rough. That shake bad. that assumption <laughs> shake that assumption we got we got to get rid of assumptions they're bad we got it we got to get rid of them okay we why have are to they bad them. you shouldn't just assume that assumptions are bad or that they matter at all with this test why why do they matter i'll i will laugh at that joke because that i wrote that one <laughs> <laughs> Okay, we got one. Uh, we shouldn't one just assume three. that assumptions matter. <laughs> yeah, you're right. We shouldn't just assume that assumptions matter. So I'll tell you why, right? Assumptions matter because they are just riddled on this test. As we earlier said, bad arguments are just filled with assumptions, right? They are. There's a lot of gaps in them. And if you really want to do well on this test, you have to get really good at unpairing your yourself from the, all the assumptions you make every day. Every day in the real world, we go out, we make arguments, and and quite frankly, our arguments are bad, at least most of except the time, for mine. Yeah. yeah, most of the time. You know, I, I, I realized I didn't want to include myself in that, but <laughs> I, I, I would be willing to say my arguments are sometimes bad. They are, most of the time. Yeah, at least I, I would like to add that they're not to the point of logical validity, right? Which is what we're really concerned with on, on this test is this idea of logical validity. And so on the LR section, you will encounter 24, 25 arguments, and, and you can bet a good amount of those will be will have an assumption that maybe you can pick out, right, that, that are easy. But the really hard ones, or the medium difficulty and the, the, the harder difficulty ones, they're going to have some very subtle assumptions, things that you will read over and you won't even realize you've made it. And so the goal on this test and the goal while you're studying is to really get good at catching yourself. Right, catching yourself before you make this assumption. Do you, do you have anything you wanted to add on that? Yeah, absolutely. So one thing that I tell my clients a lot, especially when they're kind of just starting out, getting into LR, is you have, and as simple as it sounds, you have to take everything at face value, especially on the LSAT, especially on the LR section. There is this tendency, like you mentioned, to fill in the gaps or read between the lines or do all these things. And that is not rewarded on this test. Because again, right, we've talked about it before, but think about what the LSAT is trying to test you for. It's trying to test you for your ability to succeed in law school. It's trying to test for your ability to succeed as a lawyer and filling in gaps where there is one, right? Or making assumptions where it's not warranted for you to is going to land you in a lot of trouble, 
right? On the LSAT, it's just an LR question. But if you're reading, I don't know, a contract or something, and you just assume that a portion of the contract is there when it's not, you're screwed. So that's the one big, big thing that I want to emphasize. Flaw questions, weakened questions, strengthened questions, obviously necessary, sufficient assumption questions, all of these different question types rely on your ability to take things at face value. And it's a skill. It's hard. It's something that I had to learn over time. I'm sure you did too, Henry. But it's so, so, so important for you to be able to succeed on LR, especially if you want to get into kind of that upper range of scores for this test. Take things at face value, recognize those assumptions, and you'll be okay. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. So how, how do you recognize the assumptions? I guess I guess we'll just get, get right into Let's it. Let's do it. Let's maybe, do maybe, it. Maybe we should open with an assumption. I guess one thing we could do is, is you know, LSAT tutors, they are smart hmm. or something like that. I feel like that would be an assumption on this test that they would try to get you with because because you have to ask yourself, like, what is smart, right? Is it true that an LSAT tutor is smart? Do you have to be smart to be an LSAT tutor? A, a bunch of a bunch of questions right there. You go forth and you say, oh, I'm an LSAT tutor. I like to think people think I'm smart, but I, I know I'm not, right? That's just an assumption they're making because, because how do you define smart, first of all? Is it just your ability to perform well on the LSAT. Second, there's a lot of LSAT tutors out there that aren't particularly smart, I'd argue. Not at seven stage, right? But it's not, there's not some <laughs> qualification you need to be an LSAT tutor. You know, Joe Blow off the street, he could call himself an LSAT tutor. Okay, he's an LSAT tutor. Yeah, fair. <laughs> right? What's well, stopping him from being one? It doesn't necessarily mean it's he's smart. And so the question would be, right, and going back to what you said, which is, it's, it's really about the text. A lot of these assumptions, you're what you end up doing is you, you, you attribute some some quality to something that's not really there, right? Or that's not necessarily there. So you really have to stick to the text. That makes some sense. No, it absolutely does. It's really hard to do. Yes, it's very hard to do. It's a skill, again, like I mentioned, you have to learn it. You have to train it over time. So when you're asking yourself, how do I recognize assumptions, right? How do I do that? There are kind of two main steps that I would kind of think about. And this is funny since we're so close to our like prepare for a test day episode where we kind of talked about like the physical aspect of it and the mental aspect of it. I think that's true here for for LR recognizing assumptions as well. The first one is to trust your gut. As ridiculous as that sounds, we are trained intuitively, right? And the more questions that you expose yourself to on this test and the more right answers and wrong answers you look at, you'll get better at this. But intuitively, we are trained to recognize when something just doesn't add up, right? And that's all an assumption is. It's something that is missing from the premise, from the relationship between the premise and the conclusion, a gap there, right? It's a hole. Something is not there where it's supposed to be. And so when you get to the conclusion, something feels off. You're like, huh, everything that I just read doesn't necessarily get me here. I got to fill in a couple extra things to do that. And that's just a gut feeling. And and the more you rely on that feeling and the more that you use that feeling, the better you'll get at it, the more, what's the word I'm looking for, like calibrated it gets, I guess, and, and the more accurate that you get. But I think a lot of times people will, not necessarily wrongfully, but people will overlook that step and will go straight into the technical aspect of it and writing down the conditional logic and translating every word and pouring over every detail when they probably would have gotten the right answer in a much more efficient way had they just trusted their gut. So I don't know, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I know. I like the idea of trusting your gut. If you have a sense that there's something amiss there, it's, it's good to explore that. You know on this test that the, the argument's going to be bad. And so using, having like a gut instinct to follow, like, and to identify maybe some weak points in the argument can be helpful. The second bit, though, of using your gut is to, to think, like, can I, is this something that I actually know? For example, you might get an argument where they, they say, you know, Frank's hot dogs. It's the most popular hot dog and most popular hot dog in town. Frank's? And then the argument relies 
on some yeah frank's i don't know i'm not I, yeah i'm spitballing here okay frank yeah frank's hot dogs it's the most popular restaurant in town the most popular hot dog in town and the argument might rely on this idea that that frank's hot dogs are tasty and what you want to do is you have a gut feeling like oh, i don't know is it true that the most popular hot dog place in town is actually tasty are those two things can i can i actually make that assumption and and you might interrogate yourself right you have this gut feeling that there's something wrong but there's also part of your gut that that points you towards this idea that well well yeah in the real world the most popular restaurants in town are usually tasty but there's nothing inherent about being the most popular restaurant in town that makes you tasty, right? It's not necessary. Maybe Frank's Hot Dogs are the only hot dog restaurant in town. And and maybe they're just middling. They're not tasty. They're just, <laughs> they're just pa- passable hot dogs. And, and so when when you say use you got what I tend to think of is this idea, right? You, you have an idea like, uh, I don't know, something feels, I don't want to say wrong, but something feels weird here. And you hone in on that and you ask yourself, well, well where am I thinking this, right? Why am I thinking that Frank's hot dogs are tasty? Is it because of my outside knowledge? Because in the real world, the most popular restaurant in town tends to be tasty. But in this like textual fake LSAT land, <laughs> uh, I don't know. Fake I don't want to call it fake land. LSAT land, right? But but uh, the words on the paper do, do not imply tasty. Let me LSAT put it that way. Right? As a matter of experience, as a matter of, of real life, a restaurant being super popular tends to mean it's tasty. But as a matter on of the words on the page. LSATville. It doesn't mean mean it's tasty yeah it's elsatville elsat land yeah elsat landsat are none of these gonna make you laugh i thought maybe like i threw out like four of them and i was like one of them has gotta get him. oh oh that was you trying to make me laugh oh <laughs> don't oh. say it like that <laughs> no I, I just i just didn't realize that was yeah yeah you guys ha-ha. this is gonna be the last last episode <laughs> of the seven stage also <laughs> yeah my last day at Sunset. <laughs> so moving on from kind of that, just trust your gut, train your intuition, calibrate it so that you can do so reliably. Another thing that you want to be looking for are, and, and something we're going to talk about more in next week's episode, are two words that kind of look similar across the argument from the premise to the conclusion, but aren't the same. Could you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, I, I tend to fall back on this idea that sometimes there are words that you might think are approximations of each other, but they're really not. The, the example I always go back to is, is sweet and delicious. Why am I using so much food? I don't know why food is just... Are you hungry? Food's on the mind. No, I didn't. I'm actually not hungry. I bought a new rice cooker. It's a Zoji oh, Rishi. And by fancy. I bought, my mom sent me one. Okay. <laughs> my mom sent me a rice cooker. Well, she has mine, so she sent me She sent me a new one. And Did she just steal your rice cooker? I'm so confused. How did this exchange happen? Well, I, I was moving and I left it at her place by accident. And then I, I asked her, hey, mom, can you can you ship me the rice cooker? OK, I'm sorry. How do you just leave a rice cooker somewhere? Why are you taking a rice cooker somewhere? How do you misplace a rice cooker? You think I'm oh, so I'm, I'm going to move? Well, I, I was moving and I, I, I did like a little stay with my mother. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, for a couple of months, right? And then I and then I moved to a new uh, New York, right? And I forgot the rice cooker. It wasn't on to- the top of my mind, okay? The rice cooker. How do you just leave a rice cooker? People do it. It happens all the time. It's like a huge appliance, dude. Like it's not, you know, it's like toaster sized. <laughs> Toaster. I mean, I don't know how are toasters huge to you. You were telling us about sweet and delicious. I mean, when you're six foot five like me, everything <laughs> seems small and for- forgettable. And two hundred and ten pounds of pure muscle. So yeah, I can see. I can see how someone like you. Might I be, didn't take might you for a liar, Henry. Right. Hey. Hey. <laughs> Everyone can draw their own conclusions from that. In any case, we were talking about sweet. <laughs> 
<laughs> we, were, we, were ta- we were talking about sweet and delicious. I guess it depends on the person, right? But if you're the kind of person like me who thinks that sweet things are very delicious, that could be a very easy assumption to make. Like, oh, this dessert, it, it's very sweet. This ice cream is sweet. And therefore, it must be delicious. Well, no, right? Those two words don't mean the same thing. I mean, they're literally different. So one tool you can use... <laughs> I, well, it's true, right? They're they literally, literally different. They're literally different. What, How profound. One, right? I know. Well, hey, I, it's, it's crazy. The LSAT's one of those things, right, where... It will make so much sense after you know the answer. And you're just like, wow, how could I ever, for, how could I ever mess that up? Right? I, we've had this experience. You've had this experience when I was studying, right? After you know, you know, after you watch the video or, or you go through it, you're like, oh, of course. How did I ever think that this was wrong? But that just speaks to the subtlety of this test and, and their ability to exploit your, your tendency to make assumptions. Right? The, 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 they would be exploiting my tendency to equate sweet things with delicious because i love candy i do sorry i know it's bad for me but i just love i love candy and so when they tell me hey this candy is really sweet my mind immediately wants to jump to hey these gummy bears that they're talking about in the stimulus oh they're delicious but guess what those two things don't mean the same thing right they don't mean the same thing and so one of the tools you can use if you're like me is to literally going back to your idea of of looking at the words on the page is to say like hey sweet and delicious my god these are different words right (laughs) like i know it's true these are different words and 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 not which is not to say that like sometimes and often on this test they'll use two words but they'll mean the same thing and we'll we'll get to that in a little bit right what assumptions are fair to make but i i totally agree with you there what are you saying yeah well i I was just saying it's, it's a good place to start right which is to realize like okay these two words they aren't the same, right? The letters are literally different. And then you ask yourselves, well, do these things literally mean the same thing? Can I interchange these words? If I say that, hey, Frank's hot dogs are delicious, can I replace that with sweet and it means the same thing? No. Frank's hot dogs are sweet? No. I mean, that's disgusting. I don't know if you want a sweet... Actually, I don't know. Sweet sweet hot dog? Let's say the argument had Henry and then 210 pounds of pure muscle. They're different letters, different words, and they mean completely the opposite thing, things. Though. Completely opposite things. It's tough. It's tough to recognize it. You see a bodybuilder on the street and you say, hey, man, <laughs> that guy looks like a total Henry. That and guy's a total Henry. No sense at all. <laughs> oh, wow. You're looking like Henry today. Looking kind of good. So anyways, <laughs> when you're looking for assumptions. In a, oh, wait, was that a laugh? OK, I think we got two real ones. There we go. No. Well, yeah, that was good. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Two points. So when you're looking for assumptions in an argument, you're looking for the claim and the argument that hasn't been proven. Right. Usually the conclusion. Right. That conclusion has not been proven because there is some gap, there is something missing, something you have to add in order for the argument to actually make sense. So if you are relying on outside knowledge for the argument to make sense, ask yourself why. Do you believe the conclusion because of what's on the page? Or do you believe the conclusion because you have some background knowledge or you're filling in the gaps or you're reading between the lines? I cannot emphasize enough, this test does not reward creativity in that sense, right? It doesn't. It's not meant for that. This test does not reward reading between the lines or filling in information where there isn't. This test rewards recognizing what is right in front of you and doing it quickly and doing it well. So cool. Now that we've gotten through that part, let's talk about some examples of assumptions. Do you want to start us off with the first one? Yeah, sure. This this idea. Well, I mean, this is yours, but I think it's it's common, right? If I live in a college town, right? If I live in a college town, then I must want to live in the big city. Or, you know, when I graduate, I'd, I'd want to move to a big city. Various things like that. I mean, you want to speak to why this is terrible? Yeah, I mean, let's think about that. If I live in a college town, then I must want to move to a big city. One thing doesn't lead to the other. 
right? We hear it a lot, right? We can use our background knowledge. Maybe you went to college and everybody, you know, maybe you went to college in a college town and everyone wanted to move to New York or, or California or wherever else, Chicago. But just because you live in a college town does not necessarily mean you want to live in a big city. You're assuming that it does, right? You're assuming that people want to escape their college town, escape the small town. You're assuming that people are more attracted to a city life. You're assuming that people don't like a small college town. I love college towns. I think they're fun, right? So all of those assumptions that you're making, you're making them based off of background information that you have or outside information that you have. But if you just look at the information that's on the page right in front of you, if I live in a college town that I must want to move to a big city, that makes no sense. That makes no sense at all. And hopefully, right, there are red flags like popping up in your head and cluing you in that there is something wrong with this argument. Can I make this one a little bit juicier, actually? I've got a juicier spin on that. I live in a big city. Therefore, I must want to live in a big city. Oh, that is right, fair. That's a good one. I think that's good. I, I mean, going back to this idea of words on the page, just because you live in a big city, that doesn't mean you want to be there. A lot of people live in places they don't want to live. That, that's just that. That's just an assumption you're making. <laughs> <laughs> that's just, I, you know, honestly, I will say too, I think I see this a lot with my clients, this idea, and I, I always have to point out to them, this idea of mental states. Hmm. Very hard to pin down mental states and, and very common assumption that this test will get you to make. What do you mean by that? Well, you know, someone's doing something, therefore they must, you know, really want to do it. Or that must be the number th one thing they like. It's really hard to pin down mental states through actions, right? So like, oh, this person's drinking water. He must be thirsty. Mm. Maybe, right? Maybe not, though. Maybe this guy, he's doing it as a dare. Drinking water is a dare. I mean, this is a very lame person. Are That's you the okay? Dare. Like, like oh. do people have to dare you to drink water, Henry? Well, now they do. Uh, ever since I got out of the hospital with rhabdomyelosis. Oh, my God. You're such <laughs> Sorry, it's, drama. It's just, it's, just top of, it's just top of mind, you know? For the listeners, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell the story because this is more traumatic for me. For the listeners, Henry texted me earlier this week. Hey, Asta, what's good? Can't record the podcast today. I'm in the hospital. No context, nothing. No information. I don't know if he's alive or dead. Did I did I did I really do that? Wow. Yes, you did. You scared the shit out of me for like a whole day. I texted everybody and I was like, does anyone know what's happening to Henry? And nobody did. And then finally you responded with this like condition. And then I Google it and the first thing that shows up is fatal. And I'm like, ah, <laughs> this is it for us. <laughs> the mm -hmm. dynamic yeah. duo is over. But you're fine. It was the most dramatic thing ever. It's true. The only thing that got me through it was knowing that I had to record a podcast at the end of it. <laughs> Was that, was that, there, there, we were, we had a schedule that we need to keep on. <laughs> I'm honored. And I, and miraculously I got better. You did. You did. Nobody expected it. It was a miracle recovery just for the Seven Sage All Set podcast. I know that the, the, the doctors were in awe. And then I told them that I had to record the Seven Sage All Set podcast. <laughs> and then they, they shook their heads and they said, yeah. You're going to be fine. That makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move Someone on. Someone discharge this man. <laughs> well, actually, you know what? I would like to stay here just with, the, with this idea of mental states and in, in that unless they explicitly tell you this person thinks something, you really do not want to make that assumption. There's this other idea, too, of like desires and motivations. Mm, and, and, that's and a good one. Fre frequently people and they'll tell you like, hey, my motivation for for drinking water is to stay hydrated and then people will all automatically assume that that's their only motivation but motivations you can have many motivations i, I always go back to this idea of, right people want to go to law school why do you want to go to law school and everyone's like, oh like my motivation is to become a lawyer right that might be one of them but you have a bunch of other motivations too maybe you're motivated by prestige money 
money, knowledge. Long, How about oh, that? Oh, wow. Did not even come to mind. <laughs> not, yeah, I know, right? Not, who cares about that, right? Yeah, like, you know, oh, oh, knowledge. Not a motivation at all. Various things. And so often on this task, you'll, you'll see this happens where they'll say like, oh, the reason I'm doing this is X. But there might be more reasons too. And so you don't want to just assume that there's only one reason for someone to do something. I think a really good example of that, that the test uses a lot are like activist groups. So they'll be like, oh, like this activist group against, I don't know, purple trees doesn't want us to plant a purple tree we shouldn't believe them though well hey like maybe their motivation is just because they are activate or activating activists <laughs> Activ Acti acti they're, acti they're activating yeah they're activating <laughs> against the trees advocating right. <laughs> against these trees that's their only motivation but maybe they have another reason that is perfectly valid that we don't know about but we can't just chalk up every single one of their actions to being a part of this <laughs> activist group. Right. So they could be activating because of their <laughs> hatred of trees, right? But but maybe they're also activating because not only do they hate trees, but purple trees, they, I don't know, bring about doom. I don't know why. So I'm like looking out my window at a tree right now that is perfectly green, but I decided to make it purple. Mm. Do you remember that movie, The Happening? Is it called The Happening? I have no idea what you're talking about. It's like, it's like this movie with like killer trees. It's like these trees, they, they spread some disease it causes people to die it whatever zoe deschanel is in this movie wow yes i just googled it oh it's an m night Shyamalan movie interesting i'll check it out all right well we've got another example here so let's get to it if i had pomegranates for breakfast then i have a great day i had a great day so i must have had pomegranates what's going on there Mm, this is classic sufficient versus necessary confusion, right? Where, you know, if X, then Y. Oh, that must mean, you know, I have Y, that must mean X. That That's not true, right? You could replace pomegranates in Great Day here, where if I have a Lamborghini, then I have a car. Oh, I have a car, therefore I have a Lamborghini. It's the classic one. I'm shocked you didn't do your apple and fruit one that you do every single episode. <laughs> I know, apple and fruit. Oh, I guess I could have done that, but I've been on, I've, I've been on a Lamborghini and car binge lately. It, it, t it tends to resonate with people a little bit more. Did you buy a new car? You live in Did New I York. Did I buy a new car? No, I didn't buy a new car. But, you know, I've been using it as... I feel like it's me. I don't want to say it's more explanatory, but because Lamborghinis are such a small, like, subsection of cars versus apples. I don't know. I don't know if apples are... I, it, I mean, it works the same, whether it's apple or fruit. The point is, if you switch those two things around, you are making an assumption that you can't, right? You are assuming... But yeah, the, the point is you can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> The point is, there's you can't do it. <laughs> I think that was the third laugh. I think I did it. Right. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> yeah, that counts. All right, All right you win. $10. You win. I'll Venmo you. Thank I'll you. Venmo you. All right. So then the very last thing that we wanted to talk about in this episode is when you are allowed to assume, right? Because there will be moments on this test that there is an assumption that the argument is requiring you to make, but it's small enough of an assumption that it's okay. And I know how frustrating that can seem. I've seen it before my clients. I've seen it in my live classes of like, also like, I thought we weren't allowed to assume. I thought we weren't allowed to do this. Like there are some things that you can and it's okay, right? The test that I would use is what Henry kind of said earlier, that if I replaced these two things in the argument, do they mean exactly the same thing? Does it change the meaning of that sentence at all? And if the answer is no, that it doesn't really change the meaning at all, then it's probably a fair assumption to make. So an example is that I think it's fair to assume that a golden retriever is a dog, right? If they use a dog and a golden retriever in an argument, we can assume pretty safely a golden retriever is a dog, right? That is common sense enough that it's okay. A second one that I saw pretty recently on an LSAT question was the word unpalatable and the word undrinkable. They were talking about like, what was it, Henry? 
salt or something? Yeah, salt in the water. Something like that. The point is that unpalatable and undrinkable meant the exact same thing in that context. And we had some back and forth of like, oh, well, are they the same thing? Like, can I assume they're the same thing? Yes, right? You can. And I think a lot of people get very caught up on when you can and can't assume. But the one thing I want to remind you guys is in order to pick a wrong answer on an LSAT question, you have to make two mistakes. Right. The first mistake you have to make is not being able to identify the right answer. And the second mistake you have to make is not being able to recognize all four of the wrong answers. So even if you stretch it just the teeniest, tiniest bit and equate two things that are basically the same things and you make that bit of an assumption, that kind of two step process, that should be a backup plan. That should be the fail safe so that you don't make an assumption you're not allowed to. And the third mistake you make is not subscribing to Seven Sage LSA Plus. Monthly Plus Live uh, with access to hundreds of video descriptions. <laughs> <laughs> right. So that's kind of the biggest thing that I want to put out there that most assumptions on this test are bad. Most assumptions you should recognize, but you don't want to be so, so critical that you don't even make the simplest, most common sense assumptions that will lead you to the right answer. You have anything to add to that? No, I totally agree. And this idea of unpalatable, undrinkable, tasty, delicious, right? Th- those are words that you know, you'd call synonymous. In in regards to the golden retriever and the dog, yeah, you can replace those two. Now, a golden retriever, it, it's slightly different than a dog. But what you can assume is that a golden retriever is a dog, right? Because golden retriever is a smaller subset of a larger set of things, which is dogs. And so and so, just going back to what you said, right? The, 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 those two things, it's like when you say golden tre- retriever, within that meaning is dog, right? So uh, you can look at things as, as uh, subsets and, and larger sets. Again, right? You know, Lamborghinis, it's safe to assume that a Lamborghini is a car, right? You're allowed to, you're allowed to make that assumption because the Lamborghini is part of a, the larger set, things that are cars. So yeah, just going back to that and, and just saying like, don't, don't <laughs> they don't have to outline every single thing, right? You go back and and you think like, what does this literally mean, right? Golden retriever, right? Golden retriever, it literally means a dog. It's a type of dog, but it's a dog nonetheless. That's the literal meaning of it. I I mean, I guess you have the, you know, the golden retriever boy, which is not what what I am. I'm brown hair. Yeah, you know, like he's such a golden retriever. Like, oh, he's a golden retriever boy. I know that, but what did you call yourself? I said, that's not what I am. I'm just, I've I've got brown hair. (laughs) When people say that, oh, he's a golden retriever, that's is one of the requirements that they're blonde? No, no. It's like a general vibe. You know, like, do they give off golden retriever energy? You don't have to have blonde hair to be a golden retriever. Right. It, it, that's like when you call someone a Henry. It's more about the vibe. Six foot five. Did you grow three inches in the last 10 minutes that we've been recording this podcast? I thought it was six two. Did I say six two earlier? <laughs> I mean, maybe. Well, neither of those things are true. And... Wait, I feel like should we quick recap? Quick recap. Just to leave them with something to go on, right? Which is this idea of trusting your gut. If you feel like there's something going on at a specific part of the argument, trust your gut, right? There's probably something happening there. Absolutely. And train it, right? Practice. Yes, exactly. Do some sit-ups, things like that. <laughs> Inter- interrogate, right? Interrogate where you're, you're making that assumption, right? It, it, if they're saying that the Frank's restaurant is the most popular and from there the argument is saying that, oh, Frank's is delicious, ask yourself, where, why do I think that? Is it because those words, they, they truly mean the same thing, right? Is popular restaurant imply that it's delicious? Or is it from outside world, the outside, the real world where popular restaurants tend to be delicious? And then finally too, well, no, not finally. I have no idea. It, Lifeline, SOS, 911, <laughs> get me out of here. <laughs> <laughs> I did not expect you to do that. Right. So, 
So absolutely look for those, you know, intuitive feelings that you have about an argument. The next thing that you want to be looking for are words that are similar, but not necessarily synonymous. That's going to be your clue in for assumptions that the argument's making. And lastly, you are allowed to assume some things. Not all things. I wouldn't even say most things, but some things you are allowed to assume. It's a matter of using common sense. It's a matter of using judgment. And something that I know that I mentioned before on this LSAT or on this podcast, excuse me, is stepping out of your LSAT brain for like half a second and just being a normal person, right? If you heard this argument on the news or from a friend or on the street, wherever you get your arguments from, I don't know, what would your, I guess, natural reaction be, right? How would you naturally identify what's wrong with it? Why doesn't it sit well with you? There are some assumptions that you can make and there are some assumptions that you can't. And at the end of the day, it's going to come down to your judgment and practice to decide how well you're going to be able to identify those things on test day. How, how was the life on? Yeah, that was like, you know, life saved. Phew. <laughs> Phew. <laughs> Sweating there for a second. All right. You think that's good enough to wrap up? I assume so. All right. Well, have a good one, y'all. See you next week. All right. Sounds good. Bye. For more LSAT study tips, visit sevensage.com. See you next week.